Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 84. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm really excited for May and for today's guest. The theme for May is finding what fits, where we're taking a look at how to find what feels right for you in career, money, and life. To kick off this month, Emily Wapnick is joining me to celebrate the launch of her new book, How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Emily is the founder of the site Putty Like, and her work is with multi-potentialites, or people who have many interests and creative pursuits. Her brand new book releases today, and I am pinching myself that she is on the show with us. The theme for this month, Finding What Fits, is all about looking at connecting the dots in your life and finding the what behind what brings you joy. Finding what fits is finding your way to feeling content, satisfied, and fulfilled in your life, which all leads to more joy as well. I love that we'll be talking about life, careers, and money, with money being a topic that hasn't been discussed on the show before. Before we get to that, I am so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and for joining me. I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest site, additional resources, and some of my thoughts about the topics we discuss. You can find notes for this episode on the site at jumpstartyourjoy.com episode 84. If you've been thinking of starting a podcast as part of a creative outlet, I invite you to head on over to the website. I've compiled many of the answers to the basic questions I've gotten over the years about podcasting in my free podcasting fundamentals course. And that includes a cheat sheet that shares my suggestions for microphones, editing software, and where to find intro music and more. You can get this by visiting the website and clicking the start a podcast button on the right hand side of the page below my photo. When you do this, you'll be placed on the VIP list to learn more about when I open the Jumpstart Your Podcasting class. Registration for that opens later this month. For this week, Emily Wapnick is joining me to talk about her brand new book, How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. This is Emily's second time on the show. She joined me last year in episode 29. Emily is the founder and creative director for Putty Like, an online home for multi-potentialites, which are people with many interests and creative pursuits. Her philosophy is that you do not have to do just one thing with your life and that it is possible to integrate your many interests in what it is that you choose to do. In our interview, Emily shares about how she found what fits for her, how she went from blogging to creating the wildly popular TEDx talk, why some of us don't have one true calling, to then writing her book. She took something that was unique about herself, which was being interested in many different things. And by featuring what made her unique, she discovered a community of people who are also interested in many things, who are multi-potentialites. And in doing so, she's created a business based on her own uniquity. Here's why I love this so much. There's a point near the end of the interview where Emily shares how a professor at law school encouraged Emily and her group in a group presentation to feature the weird thing that makes you stand out when they went to present their project at the end of the year. So often we hide the thing that makes us different or we try hard to accentuate the things that make us similar to others. I love that a professor encouraged Emily and her group to really tease out the thing that makes them stand out. And Emily has continued to do this. Emily has found what fits for her in all of her uniqueness. She's encouraged and mentored others in following their myriad of passions and helped all of us see that there are options for creating career paths that go beyond the popular specialist path. And more than that, she's shown the true and inherent value of following more than one interest in life. So now here's the interview with Emily Wapnick. Welcome to the podcast today. I am so excited to have Emily Wapnick back. She has just written a book that comes out today and it is How to Be Everything. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be back. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm totally, literally bouncing in my chair. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners will likely remember that you were on last year on episode 29 around the same time of the year. What's going on? What's brought you joy in the last year since you've been on? Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's been a crazy 12 months. There's just been a lot. And so my answer to this question is actually change. Change has brought me a lot of joy. Change has also brought me a lot of stress, but it's brought me mostly joy. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, it's been, you know, I wrote a book, I got married, I went to Australia, I moved to Canada, you know, so it's just been like a lot of change, but ultimately I'm, I'm feeling pretty joyful. So that is a lot of stuff. Those are like some of the top five, right? Like (laughs) stressful or like big shifting types of events in a life. Yeah. 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 2016 was kind of an insane year. And I feel like I'm going to look back on that year and be like, what? (laughs) Remember that year? But that's okay. It's good. It's great. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on your marriage and on on your new country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's my old country too. Oh, it is. Okay. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm a dual citizen. So I kind of jump the border from time to time. Before we jump into your new book, can you explain a little bit in case someone listening doesn't know what a multi-passionate is? Would you like to explain what that is? Sure. So I actually use the term multi-potentialite, but it's pretty much the same exact thing. So a multi-potentialite is someone with many interests and creative pursuits. Basically a very curious person and you know, multi-potentialites, we often have a hard time kind of picking one thing to do forever. We want to do a lot of different things. We really thrive when we get to explore many different areas. And so I wrote this book, How to Be Everything for, for Multi-Potentialites, to kind of help them make it work and build lives around their many passions and do it sustainably and you know, in kind of like a, a practical way so that you can pay the bills and explore at the same time. Yeah. Oh, and I love the book so much. I'm so excited that I got to read it. Because I mean, I'll just say, like, it felt, well, one, it felt like you'd gotten inside my brain and, and like, totally got it in ways that I even, I mean, I've read Barbara Scherer's work, but there was pieces of it that you, I mean, a different angle on it completely. Mm-hmm. And it really resonated with me in a lot of ways. Do you want to tell us a little bit how the book came into being? Like, where did the idea start for it? Sure. Well, thank you, first of all. That's awesome to hear. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I started blogging about this topic about six and a half years ago. And it was just at first, it was like, I've always been this way. And I used to see it as a problem. And I want to flip it around and find a way to make it work. And I want to learn from other people who are like this, who are doing many things. And I want to share what I'm learning. And over the years, it it kind of developed. And I sort of started learning more and getting a bit better at this stuff. And at one point, I was just like, you know, this is an important message. It resonates with a lot of people. And there aren't that many resources out there for multi-potentialites. I mean, there's Barbara's book, which is fantastic, but it's, you know, it was written in 2006. And I don't yeah. feel like it goes into the kind of how to, how to build a career, like the kind of work side of things as much exactly. as, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great comforting interesting book, but I was like, you know, I just feel like there's a missing piece there. And I feel like if I write a book, it could help a lot of people. So actually I was like, you know, how can I get the word out and help the greatest number of people? And it was like a TED talk and a book. And so I did the TED talk and then I was like, okay, (laughs) time for the book. And so I spent the last couple of years interviewing multi-potentialites. I tried to find people who were both financially comfortable, you know, who are meeting their financial goals and also happy and fulfilled and feeling like they they were getting to be their full multi-potentialite selves. And uh, yeah, I just started kind of really digging into how people make a living and do many things and wrote a book. (laughs) I really love that you brought in the financial side of this. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much about your book that feels both like a huge acknowledgement of, hey, multi-potentialites, this is a for real thing. Like, cause I think it's really hard what growing up in kind of a specialist mentality where you kind of think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me that I can't stay on this path or yeah. how am I going to make money doing all these things I love? So I really love that you brought all that in, but I also felt like then there was this huge permission 
granted of like, no, you can do this. And here's some really legitimate ways of considering it, but it doesn't even have to be this because, and I'm probably totally getting ahead of ourselves, but like, but because we're such, we're interested in so many things, we're often also going to be the people that like kind of concoct our own perfect <laughs> recipe for how this is all going to work together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the tricky thing is, you know, we grow up being taught that like, you just kind of pick a field and then you study that and then you specialize within that field. And then eventually that'll translate into a job in that field. And that specialist life plan just doesn't really work for us. There right. aren't very many other models out there. So it's kind of about figuring out how, what your path is going to look like. And often it's, there's a little bit more zigzagging going on. Yeah. And it really is. And I love that so much of what you said is really does feel like that big permission and the big, like, Hey, you're a okay. Like this is all right. And here's some ways to consider how you might really craft a life that fits what we know to be true because you have so many interests. So I, thank you for, yeah. I mean, I feel like now I can be more of that person too. And, um, and I, and I love that. So thank you. Awesome. I really loved chapter three, which I think is Components of a Happy Multipotentialite Life uh, is the title of that one. Because it really, I don't know, it's like about finding your joy and then also like finding a way to make money to live that life that you really want to live. You brought up the ideas of money, meaning, and variety as the basic needs of multipotentialites. Could you explain that a little bit? Because I loved it. I'd never heard anything like it. And I loved how you applied it to multipotentialites. Yeah, it was interesting. When I was interviewing people, it's like I was trying to come up with some, you know, general like lessons or some commonalities. And of course, when you're interviewing multipotentialites, like I shouldn't be surprised by this, but people had jobs and all kinds of different fields. Some people were self-employed. Some people had very traditional jobs. Like it was really hard to find those commonalities, but I did find a few. So the main thing I noticed was that everyone I spoke to had sufficient amounts of money, meaning, and variety in their lives. And uh, that amount varies from person to person. So for money, obviously, like some of us want a much higher income than others with meaning, you know, it's like, what kind of lights us on fire is, is very different from person to person, but we all need to feel the sense that we're, we're making a difference, that we're contributing in some way. And then a variety, which I think is the one that's really unique to multi-potentialites. And again, it's like, how much variety do you need in your life to be happy? And uh, if you don't have enough variety, you'll probably start to feel bored. You'll start, to, you'll feel like you're not getting to express the, the breadth of who you are. If you have too much variety, on the other hand, you might feel scattered and overwhelmed and like you're not making enough progress on your projects. So yeah, what I noticed mm -hmm. is that everyone seemed to have just like th they had worked over the years to get those right amounts of money, meaning and variety in their lives. And I stress the point that like, you don't need to have all of those things in everything that you do, like in every project, you just overall, you need to have enough money, enough of a sense of meaning and enough variety to be happy. I love that. Yeah. Cause I think what so many other career or guidance books really miss is that variety piece. Cause we're looking at specialists who are like, yeah, you went to school mm -hmm. and now you're a doctor. So there's your money and your meaning and you don't actually, maybe you're not drawn to the variety in the same way that multi-passionate, multi-pods Mm -hmm. multi-potential lights are. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm calling them all the names. because That's, that's okay. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's kind of appropriate that there are like yeah. 20 different names for us, right? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. And I love that you also acknowledge the money piece because I think so mm -hmm. many folks get stuck on this idea of if I have a creative pursuit or something that interests me that's, you know, what specifically creative, then how am I going to make money at that? And I think that it feels a little bit scary and overwhelming that you know you have this thing you love to do, but then how in the world can I pay the bills becomes a wholly different question. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said, I'm going to read just because I couldn't resist myself, but we want to aim for as much overlap between meaning and profitability as possible. But multipotentialites are ever-changing creatures with many, many loves, and there's no shame 
in doing something purely for fun or even purely for money. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. (laughs) Sure. You know, I feel like in our culture, there's just this, like we value things so much more when they're profitable. And I I don't, Mm. I think that's really unfortunate. You know, you can get a lot of personal fulfillment out of engaging with something just, you know, as a hobby. Maybe you're strengthening your relationships. Maybe you're developing your mind or you're, you're getting in better shape. Like there are so many other benefits and it can really take a lot of the pressure off if you're not trying to turn something into a money-making venture, right? So it, it can be a lot more fun. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't monetize your passions. It's just that you don't have to monetize mm-hmm. every single every single one. And I think that's important to remember as multi-potentialites because we become interested in so many different things. Not everything needs to have a price tag attached to it for it to be valuable. Yes. And I think that is such what, it often blocks people from following a passion because they're like, well, what if I can't make money? Or that Mm -hmm. kind of built-in belief that somehow you do have to have something profitable about it to either show it's valuable to other people or for you to think that it's worth your time to do it. Right. And of course, like we need to make money, like we need to be able to live and support ourselves. So like that piece of it is important, but you don't necessarily need to tie that to your new passion. Yeah, exactly. Mm, Yes. Okay. So I think kind of related to this, it seems like there's even this further struggle that the idea around the idea of variety that what, since we're, and we may have already kind of talked about this a little bit, but how or why do you think it's, so hard for a multi-potentialite to really embrace that idea that variety is such at the core of who they are and that it's like really okay to follow all these interests. Well, it's just not how we were raised. I think for most of us, mm-hmm. we're kind of taught like follow your passion, you know, singular. Mm-hmm. And variety just yeah. doesn't really come into play. Like if you go see the typical career counselor, they're not going to be like, okay, so like how much variety do you need and how are we going to fit that into your career? Like that's just like not mm. not something that re- people really think about. So I think that when you realize you're a multi-potentialite, that, that can be pretty freeing because then you're like, okay, this is who I am. Variety is is really important to me and it's it's actually really necessary if I want to be happy. And then you can start kind of figuring out how you're going to get that variety into your life. And I love that in the book, you also brought up the idea of multi-potentialites finding their why, which I think is also so far different from what I think it's very different from the specialist lifestyle of like the why is kind of already built in if you know you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, I imagine. Mm -hmm. But like, would you explain a little bit about how it, you know, why is it so important to find the why? Yeah. And and how do we go about finding that? I mean, we probably inherently maybe know some of it, but how do we unlock it or define it better? Yeah. So the idea of the why really comes from Simon Sinek's work. He talks about, he's got a TED Talk, it's very popular, where he talks about how like the most successful companies, the most inspiring, you know, public figures often or usually have this deep sense of why they care, like why they're doing what they're doing. And they lead with that. They make it really clear to everyone else. And so I kind of, I took that idea and I wrote about it in a more personal context. And I, I feel like as multi-potentialites, as people who jump from thing to thing and maybe have a hard time connecting our endeavors and figuring out how it all fits together, it can be really empowering to figure out these sort of overarching themes or some of these common threads that that link your various interests together. So for example, like you might make a list of everything that you're into. And I actually, I have, there are a lot of exercises in the book, but, mm-hmm. and so maybe you're like, okay, why do I love teaching dance, uh, fashion design and being a therapist? And maybe it's that I love helping people feel comfortable in their body. Like maybe that's one of my whys, or maybe, you know, if you love engineering, poetry, and philosophy. Maybe it's about problem solving. You really love problem solving, or maybe you love rearranging things and kind of constructing new meanings. And I think that if you can identify some of these, some of these whys, um, it can help you make better decisions going forward. So if you become interested in a particular field, or there's a new project you want to try, you might be like, okay, how does it fit with not the specific 
areas I've explored before, but like some of those underlying themes, like, do I think I would enjoy this thing? Is it, am I doing some problem solving in it? If that's one of my whys, like, and it's not to say that if you can't connect it, you shouldn't pursue it, but it can just, it can be a little bit of a compass and help us figure out like if we might enjoy something. And it can also help us tell our stories to ourselves and to other people. I think it's more important to be able to kind of tell our story to ourselves, but just looking back and instead of seeing a bunch of disconnected things, we can start to see how they're related. Yeah. And I think that's so important, especially because the multi-potentialite piece can often feel like things are disjointed. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out maybe if you want to pick up another thing to run with, whatever that might look like, understanding does it fit closer to your why, I would think that that makes it but a better choice and something you might enjoy more than something that's a step further away from what you've identified as your why. So I'm probably unsurprisingly a believer in having multiple whys. Like, I don't think you need yeah. to kind of narrow it down to this one central core thing. I think that's just like, I think it's healthy to become comfortable with our plurality and with our complexity and with the yeah. fact that we don't like 100% make sense. I think that it's it's healthier to be like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of a complex, interesting creature and that's okay. So it's okay to have multiple whys and it's maybe something you're becoming interested in doesn't fit with one of your whys, but maybe you're curious about it anyway and maybe you develop a new why. That's okay too. But yeah, I, I think that that's true that like just having a sense of what you tend to enjoy and why, like why you're drawn to certain things can be really helpful when it comes to making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think, especially if someone's kind of new to this idea and they're like, Hey, maybe I am one of those multi-potentialites. Like, I think, I mean, what I love about the why piece is, is it does start to snap things into focus. You're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I can see why I love each of those things. Of course Mm -hmm. there's something in common, even though, you know, maybe to someone else, it may seem like, you know, you what you have a podcast and work in creative services. Like, that's me. So yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also love that you brought up and I didn't put this one in the notes, but the idea of kind of defining a perfect day. How did that come about? Like, how did you put that piece of the puzzle together with um, why it's helpful for multi-potentialites? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's important to remember that your career is just one part of your life. And this isn't really about building like a dream career so much as it is about building a dream life. And so, you know, you need to kind of also step like step back and figure out what you want your whole life to look like, not just what you want your job to look like or, or whatever you're, you're doing for money. And I think that that's, that's an important piece because like we need an overall the right amount of money, meaning, and variety. But some people get all those things in one job. Some people get those things in multiple jobs. Some people get the money and part of the meaning in a job. And then they have a whole bunch of hobbies on the side that really enrich their lives. And that's where they get the variety. So it's not, I just wanted to to make it a little bit broader than just career. And I like the exercise of the, you know, imagining your your perfect day from start to finish. I've just, I don't know, that exercise has always worked for me. I always, I occasionally like go back to it and think about like, you know, what would be my my dream day and how is it different from my current day? And it's just something that I, I return to pretty frequently. And I think it's a good yeah. exercise to to start with as you're moving forward into the career stuff. I like that a lot, especially because the message so often, even in a nine to five job, I have to share, there was a deal on this one. We took a little quiz the other day, and and this is a fairly progressive company, but it was like kind of following where does your energy go in the day. And Mm -hmm. truly, the basis for this quiz was that your job and your meaning are one and the same. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the questions were then put towards like, I find fulfillment in my daily work. Now... (laughs) (laughs) And I love this with the lens, and and we'll have to talk about the different kinds of multi-potentialites as well, but I love this from the lens of for a multi-potentialite, I'm sitting there looking at that question and thinking, well, no, this is something oftentimes that pays the bills. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm here. And and it doesn't mean I'm not going to do a good job, but it does mean that it's something that is a career, but there's other things in my life that I am allowing to be the piece that gives me fulfillment. 
So it just it's very interesting. I don't know if you got a lot of that from other multipotentialites as you talked to them for the book, but was there was there that sense of there's kind of I don't know, that you're a multipotentialite in a specialist world and sometimes that gets really confusing for the other people in your life. Yeah, it was a mix. Some people said that if, you know, if they worked with a lot of specialists, it was actually like a neat balance, right? Because they Mm -hmm. kind of had different skill sets and they complemented each other. Other people felt a little bit more misunderstood. I think that like the fact that like your employer was giving you that quiz, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like maybe they want to feel like all of their employees have this like deep sense of meaning. And I I think we're like encouraged to, we're told that like, that's what we want to strive for. And that's, that's okay. But like, I I think that it's just one way of doing things. And that really, if you've got a meaningful life, then, and you like your work enough and overall you're happy. Like, I (laughs) I don't know. I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was just funny. Cause I was like, these, whoever wrote this is not a multi-potential. Right. This is this has a one this is one way of looking at things. Um, yeah. Or like, yeah, I get maybe I get some meaning from this, but also like all these other things too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was just funny. Would you like to I know in our previous though, back in episode twenty nine, I believe, um, you also kind of gave a preview at that point about the different kinds and ways to fashion what you do for kind of the money and mm-hmm. uh or you know, how you can craft a, an amazing multi-potential life. And would you like to walk through those? I think there's four ways. Is that right? Yeah, there's the the four commonly used work models, as I dubbed them. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can do that. Yeah, so the first kind of way to make a living as a multi-potentialite is what I call the the group hug approach. And this is kind of like if you imagine all of your interests coming together in a big group hug. So this is where you have one job or business where you get to wear a lot of different hats and do many different things and maybe kind of morph between roles. Often people who use the group hug approach will work in an interdisciplinary field, something like, I don't know, like architecture or design or, you know, urban planning or AI. There's like a a bunch of interdisciplinary fields where it's kind of like you need to have a bit of a background in different areas to understand and work in the field. Sometimes they'll work for smaller companies where there just aren't enough people to have you know one hat per person. So you end up wearing multiple hats and doing a few different things. So that's the first commonly used work model. The second one is the slash approach. And this is where you aren't combining your passions into one thing. You're kind of, you've got separate projects, work projects, maybe a few part-time jobs, maybe a few businesses, and you just kind of keep things separate. So you're like the yoga teacher slash librarian slash, I don't know, freelance marketer. And you've just got multiple part-time revenue streams, basically. Then the third commonly used work model, and I think the one that we decided that you're using currently, is uh, what I call the Einstein approach. And um, that's because Albert Einstein, at one point, he worked in the patent office. He was basically employed by the government. And this was a notoriously slow-paced job. So he had this like stable nine to five, it paid the bills, it provided him with financial security. But then it also left him with enough free time and energy to pursue his you know, all of his theories on the side. So Barbara Sher calls this the good enough job. And it's basically like, mm-hmm. it's a job that you enjoy well enough. It pays the bills so you don't have to worry about that piece. And then you can have this like amazing, eclectic, <laughs> all of these, all these amazing <laughs> hobbies and projects, personal projects on the side. You don't have to worry about monetizing them. And then finally, we've got the fourth commonly used work model. And I think I used to call it the sequential approach, but I found that was a little dry. So I've changed that to the Phoenix approach. And that's mm. kind of like the mythical Phoenix. You know, it like it lives 500 years, which is pretty long. <laughs> but uh, and then it bursts into flames or it dies and then it is reborn from its ashes. So these are people who multi-potentialites who like to dive deep into one field for a number of years mm-hmm. usually. And then they'll kind of reach their end point. And they'll be like, okay, I kind of 
kind of get what this is about, but I'm also becoming really interested in this other area. And they'll usually build up their contacts and start to look for other things on the side in this new field, and then they'll transition. So you'll see people like this going through their interests and through their careers sequentially, kind of, yeah, like a, a glorious phoenix being reborn every few years. <laughs> and and of course, you can be a hybrid. I never want to tell my multi-potentialite readers that they need to choose one thing. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, it's totally possible to blend these together and to just pick and choose and, you know, mess with the, the models. And But I just wanted <laughs> to, to find a way to give some guidance and structure to this stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so helpful to be able to see oneself in one of the models, even if it's like, oh, yeah, I do that and that. I Mm -hmm. think because it's so rare to actually have some sort of a synopsis that feels like it fits that. I I mean, this to me was like liberating in so many ways that it's like, oh, you're right. Yeah, this is what I do. I'm sure you probably get that from other people, too, that this may be the first time they've actually heard of, I know, a way of speaking about what they do that actually feels like it might fit. Yeah, because it's just like, it's not something we really think about. I think if we, if we think about it, we can find people in our lives who are probably working in some of these different who have careers that, you know, match up with one of these work models or more. But it's not really something we think about when we're younger or when we're trying to Mm. put our careers together. So yeah, it was it was interesting for me talking with so many different people who had all kinds of different careers and just trying to see what they did in common and pull out these four work models because it does seem like these are the four main ways that people get that variety piece in particular and the meaning and money as well into their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And which one do you associate with or which one do you think you are most like? So right now I feel like I'm doing the group hug approach because, you know, (laughs) what I do is I have a business and an online community, but there's like so much that goes into that. So um, I write, I speak, I can do coaching, develop courses, like I can write about work or productivity or creativity or fear. Like it's just like, it's allowed me to do a lot of different things and to try out a lot of different mediums. Mm -hmm. So, but I think maybe I'm like a, a mix between kind of a group hug person and a phoenix. Like I do tend to, I don't know, we'll see. Like I'm, I'm kind of, it's been like six years now and I'm, I'm not bored yet of what I'm doing because it's so multifaceted. It's like, there's so much that goes into it, but like maybe in a couple of years, it'll be time to do something radically different. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I fully understand that. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, since like as an entrepreneur, I'm sure then as your interests shift, then you also find new places where, hey, I could shift the business this way too. Like mm-hmm. that seems like it's a really lovely fit as well. I don't know, were a lot of the folks you interviewed also entrepreneurs or was it pretty evenly split? It was a mix. I definitely, I feel like a lot of people, when they hear about this idea, they think, oh, okay, so you have to live this totally unconventional lifestyle and own businesses and it's not really true. A lot of people do have very conventional jobs. Like I interviewed people who were like teachers and librarians and things that you don't necessarily think of as like a place where multi-potentialites hang out. Like you don't really see a librarian think multi-potentialite, but actually they do a ton of different things. So yeah, it it was a mix. It was a mix. There are definitely some people who are like, diehard like entrepreneurs like I'm never I can't work for anyone I need my flexibility and like I need to control my thing and I'm a little bit like that too but there were other people like I interviewed uh, this woman Margot you who has a group hug job and I was like have you ever thought about you know starting your own business and she was just like I like the office I'm not very organized on my own like I just I like the structure it allows me to I can like you know have all these other projects and not have to worry about them. I, I just, yeah. So, so some people like being self-employed, others don't. It was a mix. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm getting the sense too, that there's probably something in there where what, maybe the, from the outset, does it look a little bit like somebody who has a lot of different passions might also prefer not to have as much structure, but I'm, be- I'm betting that's not also actually true. I don't know if you guys, if you saw any of that or people were talking about that too. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like, and there are different work models you can choose based on how much you value stability over independence. Mm-hmm. 
and flexibility. And, you know, if, if you're someone who likes being very independent, then like the, the slash approach might be a good one because that really provides a lot of flexibility and you can kind of, you have a bunch of different part-time work and you can kind of set up your schedule. And then if you like a lot of stability, then the Einstein approach might be a better fit. So yeah, I think that that, that definitely plays into it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was just thinking like, I, I feel like maybe that could be a little bit frustrating as you realize you're a multi-potentialite because you know you like a ton of things, but maybe you like me, I'm a project manager as well. So I also really like structure and I like to know what my role is in a certain thing. Like, so I'm, I'm just, I'm putting that, I'm having an aha moment here as well. I'm like, wait, I do like a ton of stuff, but I also like to know the rules. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. It takes all kinds, you know? But yes. <laughs> It sure does. And it's funny how you make realizations, especially like as I was reading the book, like I was saying ahead of the call, like I just felt, wow, like the even new realizations about what it meant to be this kind of person that likes a whole lot of different stuff, but then like new permission levels of like, oh yeah, you're totally fine. That's cool. You can do that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I tried to have a mix of like, you're good the way you are. There's nothing wrong with you. It's awesome that you're a multi-potentially like be proud. And also like, here are some like practical ways to make it work. And here are some role models and some examples of people who are doing it. So it's like, you can actually see that it's possible. Yeah. I love that aspect of it too. And that there were a lot of kind of what modules and some what you, I don't know what you would exactly call them, but some like kind of worksheets to go through of helping to identify. I mean, there's a lot of practical pieces to this. So I felt like that was really helpful in ways that, you know, maybe some other books aren't because it's the lens of multi-potentialite, but then it's also like, but how do I make this really work for me? So I don't know if you want to talk about what went into the planning behind that balance even a little bit more, or like the, the way you wanted to I don't know, I guess, approach how you dealt with that. Yeah, well, a lot of it was, I always knew I wanted the book to be super practical and I wanted to have exercises in it, but my editor was really into them and she was just like, more exercises, <laughs> more like anywhere you can throw in exercises. And so <laughs> I just tried to um, come up with some good ones and put them in wherever I yeah. could. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I think that's fun because it was also felt like kind of like, I mean, Sorry, an invitation to play with the mm-hmm. with the material, especially when some of it feels like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever seen this. So then making it, you know, applicable that was a really neat yeah. aspect to it. I really love that you end the book with the encouragement for people to truly live a life that features the things that make them unique. Mm-hmm. How has this played out for you? I, I mean, I know you tell a little bit about it at the end, but would you like to share about how that? Uniquity, as Michelle Ward might say, has yeah. played out for you. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like for most of my life, I mean, not as a little kid, but like certainly as a teenager and in my early 20s, I was really trying to hide my uniquity, as Michelle would say. And just, I just, you know, wanted to kind of be, quote, normal. And I think that that's uh, pretty common, but it definitely causing me to like kind of stay quiet at times and not really share my full enthusiasm about things or really open up as much as I would have liked to. And just kind of like, it kind of held me back. Uh And I, it was sometime in my, in my mid twenties, I tell the story in the book, but basically I had a professor in law school who encouraged me to, was in the context of a project, but to like feature the thing that was weird about it. Cause that was like the thing that made us stand out. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. And maybe I should try that in my life too. And yeah, I think, you know, in my, in my mid twenties, I started, I'm 33 now. So uh, yeah, in my mid twenties, I started to really kind of work on my self-esteem and read a lot of personal development stuff and just realized that like my weirdness is like my strength kind of. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love that. And I think, I mean, multi-potentialite or not, I think that's a really hard one. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, for if any reason we feel like we're a little bit different and, and everyone I think probably does in some way, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to embrace those unique pieces of our personality or our interests. So I love that a professor that just, you know, said, no, I want you to highlight the part that makes this unusual. 
Yeah, it was for an entrepreneurial competition. We had my team had put together this business idea, and uh, we had to do a, a presentation. And yeah, she was like, "All the other projects are going to be like yours is going to be really different from everyone else's. Don't hide that. Like feature it." And that was just really cool being given permission to do that. So I feel like a lot of my work now, like that's one of my whys. And a lot of my work with multi-potentialites is, is about that, is about like feature the things that make you unique, feature your multi-potentiality, because that's how you're going to send out. That is where your success is going to come from. That's how you're going to contribute to the world is by, by embracing that part of yourself and putting it out there. We could talk forever, clearly, because I'm... <laughs> I mean, really loved the book so much. And I'm going to have to go back and reread it again because just there's so much goodness mm-hmm. in there. And I feel like there was so much just wisdom packed in about how the uniquity here is really that that strength. And that, well, and I love, and maybe you want to talk about this a little bit too, but how you found that it's often those crossroads mm-hmm. of very different kind of interests that are unique to multi-potentialites, but that also provide with a really unique end result. Do you want to dive into that? Because I loved how you explain it. Sure. Do you mean like, kind of like the intersections and innovation and that, that stuff? Yes. Yeah. I love that part. Yeah. So it was cool as I was looking into this and kind of diving in to do some research, I realized that a lot of innovations over time have come from outsiders and people who are looking at problems with fresh eyes, you know, from different perspectives. And there are some cool articles that came out of the Harvard Business Review about um, the power of diversity. And I've been reading some stuff lately about crowdsourcing, like problems Mm. that different fields are dealing with and the kind of just like the power of coming at something from a totally different perspective and bringing ideas from a different discipline to the problem. And multi-potentialites are great at that because we have a lot of different interests and we know a lot about different <laughs> areas. So yeah, I've got some some cool examples in the book. I talk about the Housing First Initiative, which is kind of like putting an end to chronic homelessness in some mm-hmm. cities. And it was developed by Sam Timbaris, who was a psychologist. He actually didn't have experience in homeless services, but he was he ended up dealing with a lot of the homeless population. And he, he had this idea that was like, what if instead of having people meet these preconditions of having to be sober and drug-free before getting housing, what if we just gave them the housing first and to help reduce their stress and then helped with the other stuff? And that was like an idea that that he came up with in his practice as a psychologist. So yeah, it's, it's mm. just interesting seeing these cool ideas come out of the, the intersections between different fields. So yeah, it's just, oh. I just made the point that that is one of our superpowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing about the housing piece. Um, yeah. So did they did they implement it that way then too, that they give out housing in some places first yeah, it's, and it helps with stress? Yeah, it's happened in Utah. I think it's they're trying it out in various cities around North America. I think they tried it out somewhere up here in Canada in in Ontario as well. And it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty impressive the results that they're seeing. That's awesome. Mm, I like that too. I mean we've we've jumped around a bit, but is there <laughs> anything else about the book or about the launch today that you want to bring up before we jump into some last questions? Well, I guess the main thing, which we really touched on already, but it's, you know, <laughs> if you're a multi-potentialite, like so many people will, will discover that they're a multi-potentialite and they'll be like, that is awesome. I understand myself. I'm not weird. But like, but now what? Like, how do I mm-hmm. make a living? And I just, the message of the book is really like, you don't have to starve. Like you you can be a multi-potentialite and be financially comfortable and feel fulfilled and it is entirely possible and lots of people are doing it. So that's that's really the message that I want to share. I feel like it's unfortunate there's this idea that out there that people who do many different things are like really scattered and ineffective and like just always struggling for money. And I just wanted to really disprove that. And provide a resource to help people, like, you know, really make it work. So. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like it really is an extremely valuable resource for that. So thank you for sharing it with all of us. I'm, yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. And where can people find the book and where can they find out more about you? Yeah, so people can find the book at howtobeeverything.com. And then you can also come over to puttylike.com. And, you know, there's a, a blog with like 500 articles about being a multi-potentialite. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on, on social media through there. Very cool. I will link up in the show notes to all those, uh, <laughs> all those places. And so our last couple questions. This feels like a really like strange entry into this question, but like <laughs> as you look at it, I mean, maybe this is a great one, even for mostly potentialites more so than anybody else. But what does balance look like for you day to day, or how do you maintain harmony in your life? Yeah, so I'm a pretty big introvert, and I also struggle with anxiety from time to time. So I have a tendency to just like spend lots of time inside alone doing my work, which is like so much fun most of the time. But I also need to like push myself to get out into the world because that's healthy for me as well. And now that I'm living, I just a couple months ago moved to an island or there's there's like lots of great hiking and views. I've just been really getting outside and you know, I've got like so much work with the book right now mm-hmm. that it's it's hard to do this, but I try not to work more than I have to. And I try to just kind of like focus on doing important things and then like taking breaks and getting outside and taking my dog on a hike. So for me, like just, yeah, I, I feel like the outdoors and nature really helps with balance. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm looking out the window right now. <laughs> I'm Even looking just at looking it. sometimes helps. I'm yeah. I'm watching a deer right now lick its oh, back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's magical. I love it. <laughs> and then the last question, and it's funny, maybe I'll, I will link up to what your answer was last time, but what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Yeah, so I would say I really like giving presents, and I don't mean like like a big wrapped thing, like just that that can be like... Oh like just something thoughtful or a compliment or like I do like you know my my wife's birthday is coming up and I like to come up with some like big creative things so occasionally I I will do something like that but yeah it's just I like giving so just even something small just telling someone how much they mean to you or whatever that always makes me feel good (laughs) Mm, I love that it's so funny I don't know that anyone's ever answered with giving presents (laughs) it's awesome (laughs) And it I, is awesome. <laughs> I also like getting presents, but I think I prefer giving, like, I don't know. I, I'm a huge, like, Christmas fanatic. It's it's strange, but because I'm Jewish, but I love Christmas. And I think I, I like opening presents, but I also just really like when I think of something, like, totally creative. And then I give it to the person and they're like, what? Like, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. I love that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with you. <laughs> so other things that jumpstart joy rest (laughs) you know it's Mm. kind of like a challenging thing I think for us in our culture to like prioritize rest and I've been trying to do that more in my life but yeah if I like let myself read a book for an hour or take a nap in the middle of the day like that's oh it almost feels like a radical act (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because we're such a hyper like hyper productivity, you know, this, our culture. Yeah. So I would put rest on that list. And then other like little things that I've noticed, like, I, I don't know if you're like this, but I will have like lists of things that are not fun to do, like call the bank, like clean the house, like things like that, that just like (laughs) go on and on. Like I have this list that just like you know, and then after like three weeks, I'm like, oh my God, I hate myself for not like not calling the bank in this much time. And then when I do it, it takes like 30 seconds or like two minutes or yes. whatever. Yeah. Yes. So like occasionally just like knocking one of those things off your list and being like, ah, I did it. Like, <laughs> like I, I love can this. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> these are are these weird answers? Do people usually give you other kinds of answers? <laughs> This is awesome. No, I mean, I no one's ever mentioned knocking out those little things on the to-do list that just seem, there's something so true, like, about yeah. what you just said, about, like, and we build it up in our head, I build it up in my head, it's going to take forever, and then mm-hmm. it's like, that's all? Why did this, why was resistance showing up around that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, you also forget, like, 
when I do laundry, I feel so good about myself afterwards. And maybe that's just mm-hmm. because like, I'm sure I would feel differently if I was like a housewife and I had three kids. Like, like so I'm lucky in, in this one way where like, I don't have to do laundry that often. But when I finally mm-hmm. get around to doing it, I'm like, oh, that feels so good. Yeah. And then I like forget uh, that that felt good. And I put it off for as long as I can mm-hmm. the next time. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, totally with you. The one that comes to mind around the same lines is like, a clean bedroom with like fresh sheets. Like, mm. oh my gosh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I, oh. I think that making your bed first thing in the morning can really help reduce anxiety. And I think that that's true. Really? There are a lot of little things like that that really help with my with my anxiety. Just like, I'm not super good at keeping things tidy, but it definitely helps when I stay on top of it. <laughs> Just like less clutter in my space and... In my mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, the, yes. I love that. See, I think this is wonderful. Thank you very much. I am so glad you came back on the show and congratulations on your book. I hope everyone will go out and read it. You need to get it. <laughs> so thank you, Emily. Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Thank you. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your voice and your talents with the world and for being a guest on the show. I'm so honored to have gotten to speak with you and I want to give you the biggest heartfelt congratulations on your brand new book. I know everyone will want to run out and get a copy. If you want to join in the discussion where we'll be talking about this question, what makes you unique? You can look for Jumpstart Your Joy on Facebook and that is at facebook.com slash jumpstartyourjoy. You can find the show notes and links to Emily's site and her brand new shiny book at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 84. Because I know you're going to want to pick up a copy of that book. You can either find the links on the website or you can head over to her site at puttylike.com where I know she also has links to her brand new book. Next week on the show, I will be doing a solo cast about finding what fits. I'll be taking a look at the events of my own life that have led me to a place of feeling happy and fulfilled and how joy has had a role in that journey. I hope that you'll come back next week to hear that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.